all about Jesus, but also more than that. Jesus is the main character. No mistaken. Jesus is the main character. But what removes Jesus from being a myth or a fairy tale or a legend are the real people around him that also interacts in this so-called Christmas story. The unexpected. When was the last time you were hit or caught off guard with the unforeseen, the unexpected, unanticipated? Not in your wildest dream could you have imagined this happening to you. But it's real life, and it happens. It happens. In real life, things happen that sometimes we cannot explain. But God knows. And we learn to trust God with the unforeseen, with the unexpected. As one person says, that's our growing edge. That's our growing edge. That's when we grow the most. That's when we learn the most. Is when those unforeseen things take place in our life. And if you believe in God, you are going to be surprised. what knocks on your door and comes in to life. You will be surprised. Being involved and engaged in God's work is not easy. And for some reason, there is now, and I'm going to use this word myth, that if you become a Christian, everything is taken care of, that life becomes very easy and re, very relaxing and there are no problems there. That's a falsehood. Being a Christian and living for the Lord takes a very strong individual who exercises strength not from the flesh but from the Holy Spirit. Being involved and engaged in God's work is never easy because service always requires, and this is what we don't like, sacrifice. It always requires sacrifice. Sacrifice of self, sacrifice of a loved one, sacrifice of a good friend, a sacrifice of denying yourself, it always, always requires a sacrifice. And it always brings about to us a challenge, but also a, a reward. It brings about a challenge when you serve the Lord but it also brings rewards for the service that you render. Now, John the Baptist was Elizabeth's son. And I, and I just want to parallel a little bit. John the Baptist and Jesus Christ. And the ones I'm going to parallel is their mothers. Is their mother. John the Baptist is Elizabeth's son. Jesus, our Savior, is Mary's son. For both of these women, 
God works in their life. But both of these women, God knew the real person on the inside. God knew the real person on the inside that they didn't yet know. See, there's part of your life that's hidden in here. There's part of you hidden in here. You don't know. But as you go through the challenges of life, you discover yourself even in a different way. You'll see something different about yourself. What you didn't think you could go through, you learn you can what? Go through. What you didn't think you could handle, you find out you can handle. When you think you're not up to par, you find out. Yes, you are. Because of the one who is with you. Both of these women go through some things that are similar. Both their sons. And remember, there's only about a six months difference between John the Baptist and Jesus. Both of them die in their 30s. There could have been a possibility that Zacharias and Elizabeth were still living. And there's a possibility that they may have passed on because we don't hear much more about them. With Mary, we know Joseph has passed on. But Mary's still there. Both of them were able, in a sense, to see a portion of their child's life. Neither Elizabeth nor Mary were expecting what happened to them. They were not expecting it. Mary, it says, was a virgin. She wasn't expecting a pregnancy outside of marriage. That was not her goal. That was not her dream. That was not her position that she was running for to have a child outside of wedlock. Uh, That was not something she was gearing her life towards. Elizabeth had been married for a number of years. was not a virgin, but childless, was without child. And God interacts in both of these women's life. But yet, different. Go to Luke chapter 1, and we're going to see just a little bit of what was happening in Elizabeth's life. In 125, it reads, The Lord has done this for me. The Lord has done this for me. The emphasis is on who? Me. The Lord has done something for me. And he goes on, he says, In these days he has shown his favor. In these days he has shown his favor. Now what I want you to take note of is this. No angel is saying this. Elizabeth is saying this. Because of the life she had lived as a barren woman, as a woman who could not give her husband a son or children. And she says, God has favored me and taken away my disgrace. Taken away 
my disgrace, my embarrassment, my shame among the people. And she says, God has shown me favor by taking this away from me. The pain of her heart being childless. But yet, understanding this that is not mentioned. And sometime when we read Scripture, we need to open our hearts and mind and allow God to really speak to us and look for the other thing also. And the other thing is this. Zacharias staying with her. A man who stayed with his wife based on this fact. He loved his wife. Not that she could give him children or she could do this or she could do that. He loved her. And she knew she was loved. Go over to verse 30 in Luke chapter 1. But the angel said to her, speaking to Mary now, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. See the difference in the favors? One, boy, God has seen my disgrace. God has seen my burden. God has seen what I'm going through. And he allows her to become pregnant. Elizabeth. Here's Mary, a virgin. Now understand the difference here. It's not Mary saying, I found favor with the Lord. I found favor with the Lord. It's the angel who is informing Mary, you have found favor in the Lord. Elizabeth says, I found favor with the Lord. In Mary's situation, it's the angel informing Mary that she's found favor with the Lord. But it also tells us something else about these two ladies. In 29 again, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. She was troubled. She was troubled. That she had found favor with the Lord. She's troubled. In 31, you will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Mary's greatly troubled. Elizabeth is just the opposite. Elizabeth is joyful. She's going to have a child. Go back up into verse 24 with me. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. Picture these two women. 
get them in your mind for a moment. See them. Try to understand them here. Elizabeth is joyful. She has been barren all her life. Trying again and again and again and again to have a child. And could not conceive. And if she did conceive, she lost the child. Never having birthed a child, in a sense, to give life. She gets pregnant, and what does she do? She hides herself, the King James says, she hid. She hid herself for five months. Tell me why. Think about it. Why would she hide for five months? She wanted to make sure... It takes. She wanted to make sure she's pregnant. She wanted to make sure because I imagine in her previous times there may have been some things that said that you don't want to have to go through again. And she's up in age and and she wanted to make sure this is This is for real. And she excluded herself from the public. She withdrew from the public. And she hid herself. But yet, inside, there was a joy. Uncomparable to any type of joy she ever had before. There was a joy that she was pregnant. And she could say, God has had favor with me. Mary is just the opposite. Greatly troubled. I'm a virgin. How am I going to explain this? Want to find a place to hide, but no place to hide in a sense. Mom and dad will know. Brothers and sisters will know. This, these individuals will know. Everybody will know. And Mary is troubled. How do I explain this? How do I share this? I'm not married yet. Have a contract with Joseph, yes. But the contract was like an engagement. Anymore, we don't get engaged. <laughs> When was the last time you heard somebody getting in, engaged? <laughs> it used to be you got engaged before you got what? <laughs> married. <laughs> but at least it allowed people to know that you were on your way to the altar. <laughs> we don't do that anymore. <laughs> you know. And this is somewhat what this is. It's an engagement and it gives the husband, the future husband, one year to prepare for his bride. And it's under contract. Now Mary's dad is never mentioned. Nor her mother really. But dad had to sign that contract with Joseph. And now Mary's pregnant. And she's broken the what? The contract. Not only has she broken the contract, she has embarrassed the name of her family. And she is deeply, deeply troubled. Her thing to the angel was not that, hey, you got the wrong woman here today. Go find somebody else. Her thing was, no, I'm not old enough yet. Because we put Mary somewhere between the age 14 the earliest, the latest to 20. I'm not ready yet. The other excuse 
I haven't lived life yet. I haven't had a chance to travel. I haven't seen anything. The thing that she brings out to the angel is simply this. I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin. And that's what she brings out. I'm a virgin. And somewhere in our culture and society, we've lost that. And Mary says, I'm a virgin. Deeply troubled how she's going to explain. For Mary the virgin, not married, pregnant, but Elizabeth, the one who's not a virgin, pregnant and rejoicing. Now, to confirm what God was going to do, the angel informs Mary, your cousin is with child. By informing Mary, I would have to conclude that Mary also knew about Elizabeth's life. That Elizabeth had been without child all these years. All this time. And someplace after your child is so long, you no longer expect to conceive. After you have lived in such a way, you don't look for it. You're you're no longer after that. That's not the goal anymore. That's not the purpose anymore. That's not what you're thriving for. And it comes at the unexpected time when I'm in my older age and here is this young girl who's not looking to be a mother real quick. Haven't had a chance to live. Haven't had a chance to go to college. Haven't had a chance to explore the world, see different sites, go and visit different countries. And I'm going to be a mother? Unexpectedly. Unexpectedly. And yet, she is. Hard to accept intellectually. Hard to even understand. How is this going to happen? Even though the Holy Spirit has said, the angel told her, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. Follow my mind just for a moment. You nurses, y'all might correct me if I'm wrong. A fraternity test is for what purpose? To determine the father. If Elizabeth was given a paternity test, Guess who would the father would be shown as? Zacharias. But if Mary was given a paternity test, what would have been shown? Nothing. Stay with me now. Scripture says that Jesus was sinless. Everything that follows in the line of Adam is considered what? Sinful. Why? Because they come through the seed of Adam. This seed of Mary was not coming through who? Adam. Stay with me. In Scripture, it tells us Life is where at? In the blood. God has so designed a woman 
that she can receive the seed, but her blood does not go into the fetus. If it goes into the fetus, both the baby and the mother could die. What's that word that starts with a P? Uh, say? It blocks the blood from going into the child, but it's able to take the nutrients and the oxygen somehow and feed it to the fetus. That the blood of the woman never gets to the fetus itself. Because if the blood of the woman gets to the fetus, then that woman is also a man, which allows then Jesus to be what? Have to follow the same lineage of Adam. But because that blood could not get to the fetus, it comes directly from God. He is declared to be sinless. And here's Mary carrying God's child, this holy child, this divine child, and cannot understand how she would be pregnant, not knowing a man. Found favor with God, chosen by God, yes, all that. But unexpectedly, that's not what Mary grew up saying. I want to have God's child. I want to have God's child. Didn't grow up with that. But the unexpected happened. And to confirm what's going to happen. The angel says, your cousin is with child, who you have known for some time, has been barren. So when you look at verse 35 in Luke chapter 1, it says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born to be born will be called the Son of God. Catch 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child. Elizabeth, she's been barren all these years. She can't have a child. She's past age. But how is God going to confirm his work? He uses Elizabeth. And look at the good part of this. This time is not an angel. It's a relative. It's a human mouth that's going to speak to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when people speak to us, we need to ask, is it the Spirit speaking through them? Or is just their flesh? When scriptural and godly things are being spoken to you, you need to allow your ears to perk up. And as they speak, you want to ask this question. God, is this of you? God, is this of you? God, is this of you? And allow him to confirm it if it's of him or not. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Why was that so important to say to Mary? Because Mary is troubled. She don't understand. And what the angel is saying Nothing is impossible with who? With God. Nothing is. My brother will go this week. And he will have a bone test. 
where they had to drill into his shoulder because the cancer doctor think they've seen cancer in the bone. And we're praying that it's removed, God touching, that she may not have seen it right. But the only way she'll know for sure is they go into the bone. And as my sister was sharing with me as they was listening to the doctor, and she just broke down when the doctor said, if it's in the bone, I cannot cure it. My prayer began, Lord, not in six months. What was I saying? Every six months, one of my siblings have passed. Every six months. And my prayer, Lord, extend life to Glenn. Is it impossible? If it was impossible, I wouldn't even pray it. I wouldn't even ask. But it's possible. It's possible. And God can extend life to him. Why? Because the scripture just said, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible. And Mary needed to understand that principle. That there was nothing that was impossible with God. I can't figure it out. I don't understand it. And sometimes you might wrestle with those things that you can't figure out. And you can't understand it. But it's a reality. But understand this too. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. When Joseph signed his contract to marry Mary, he was not expecting all that came with it. Go to Matthew chapter 1 and 18. Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. Because Joseph wasn't looking for a ready-made family. That was unexpected. The contract's very clear that she will be a virgin, or it is stated that he can return because he found something impure in her. He wasn't expecting this ready-made family. So in verse 18 it says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. The mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child, though through the Holy Spirit. Now, catch the reaction of Joseph. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He had in mind to break the contract quietly. But Jesus needed an earthly father. And God knew what was within Joseph. That Joseph would do the right thing. That Joseph, in a sense, as we use in modern language, he would man up. And he would be the man that God would have him to be. And it says, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her privately. But after he had considered this, an angel 
of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sin. What? I'm having a nightmare. Things aren't right here. Something's wrong. But God knew what was inside of Joseph. And that Jesus needed an earthly father. I've been studying and I'm continuing to study on the successfulness of African American men. Because come February, Black History Month, I'm going to go through some of this. And what I want to lay out is what it takes to be successful. What it takes to be successful. Some of you may say, well, why are we going to do that? We don't have a bunch of young men running around here. You have grandchildren. You have nieces and nephews. You have young people that you talk to. And if I can equip you to share with them what it takes to be successful, then that will be great. Omar Tyree. Any of you know him? He is one of the leading top African-American authors. He has over 19 books out. Omar Tyree. His income per year is from zero to 500,000 or more. One of his stories. His mom was very smart, college graduate, and is a pharmacist. My mother, a pretty little thing, who graduated third from her West Philadelphia High School class in 1968, had a fetish of my tall and handsome father, Robert Tyree. The problem was, Robert Tyree ran the streets and had no high school education because he lacked a father figure to buckle him down. But it didn't matter to my mother. The good, smart, and pretty girl maintained her crush on the uneducated bad boy and got pregnant by him in her first year of college while on an academic scholarship. He goes on, he explains that grandma and grandpa helped out for some years until he was about eight years old. And um, he makes this statement, he says, she then dated men, new men, men, after men who were not her son's father. Some of these new men were not great character studies either. And they surely didn't want to raise another man's child. Can you see a little thing of Joseph? You see why the angel came to explain? And yet not fully what? Understanding from a dream? And here in real life, and they surely didn't want to raise another man's child. And this is how the son is seeing this. Anyway, this dude actually carried more talk to the son, played with the son, took the son places, But once he figured out that this unruly son of hers 
liked to do his own thing, steal stuff, tell off grown folks, and ignore authority figures at school. Mr. Austin had a serious problem with allowing that activity to go down. So he told the son, if you live in my house, you will do what you need to do when you were told to do it. Joseph was a what? A carpenter. Follow me now. Jesus became known as a what? You think his father put his footprint all over him? Yes. He was a stepfather, in a sense, but he loved Jesus. And this young man winds up stating, he loved me because he loved my mom. He loved me because he loved my mom. Then my mom decided the unthinkable. She decided she liked this giant of a mean man so much that she wanted to marry him. What? Marry him? Well, this man showed us a new home that he wanted to buy in an area of Philadelphia, which was one of the most beautiful areas I had ever seen. I forgot all about those threats that he would put the law down on me if I lived in his house. And since my mother and I were a package deal, I moved on in and got my own room in the back. Package deal? Did Joseph get a package deal? I had to come back and deal with this six foot four, 225 pound black man that my mother had married, who was now my stepfather. Outside of the obvious, staunch discipline, this man, Melvin Austin, took me to tryouts for football teams, protected me, helped me with my homework, told me that I could achieve whatever I set my mind to achieve and supported me in every way imaginable. You know, he did things that fathers are supposed to do. But since I still understand, since I still understood that he was not my biological father, I never bothered to call him dad. You think Jesus understood that? That Joseph was not his what? Biological father. But showed him the respect of a father because Joseph acted like a father. I never bothered to call him dad. Neither changed my name to Austin. And I always found a way to keep my mind set on my own determined legacy. Nevertheless, the man counted me as his own. And he did the job to raise me into a man. You think Joseph did his job? To raise Jesus? The unexpected but did the job. Mary, the unexpected, but did the job. Elizabeth, the unexpected, but did the job. Both Elizabeth and Mary faced public disgrace, but they both recognized the strength that they had. Both mothers had 
experienced the ministry of their sons. John the Baptist and baptizing people, calling them to repent of their sin, and Jesus teaching in the temple, also debating with the Pharisees. Where John did his ministry out in the wilderness, outside the temple, where his father was a priest, were at in the temple. Now the son is outside the temple, both serving God but different man, different man. Here's Jesus. Catch this now. He's not serving the Father we're at in heaven, in a sense. He's serving the Father we're at among sinful man. He's not serving in the temple of heaven. He's serving in the defilement of an earthly world caught up with sin. John is not serving in the temple. He's serving out in the wilderness. Both mothers may see a difference in their son's service. And only through Jesus Christ is eternal life promised. John, the forerunner. Jesus come. And eternal life is only offered through him. In closing of this, both mothers. It doesn't tell us if Elizabeth was dead at the time that the Baptist was killed. It doesn't tell us. She could still be alive or she may be dead. But both mothers, I believe, got to see a little bit of their son's ministry. Both. And they both may have seen their son die in the service to God. Remember one of the things I said earlier as we started? Service is great sacrifice. Service is great sacrifice. Service. When you serve God, being a Christian isn't easy. But when you serve God, is a great sacrifice. John lost his life somewhere in his 30s. And like we said, we know that there's only about a six months difference between them. And John is beheaded. But he's beheaded serving the Lord, telling Herod, you are wrong by having your brother Philip's wife. You're wrong. And Herodias couldn't stand it. And she tells her daughter who dances before Herod, I want his life. But if Elizabeth was living, what pain would that have caused her? Understand something. This was her only what? Only child. Her only child. Then Mary... 
Go to John 19 with me. How many understand that John is the only one who mentions Mary being there at the cross? Not mentioned in the other Gospels. John is the only one who mentions it. I will differ with some folks because I believe it was John who Jesus commended his mother to. Some say it was James because it was his brother. But I believe it was John. In verse 25 of 19, Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. What would have been your response? What would have been your feelings? See, we we read this in conclusion of boy this could be one of my kids some way that you somehow get hold to the truth here is to identify with scripture and sometimes when you don't identify with scripture it's just a history book it's just a fairy tale let me bring it more home when he says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you don't see yourself in that picture and you exclude yourself from that picture, what just took place? You don't see yourself as a what? As a sinner in need of Jesus Christ. But if you include yourself into that scripture, your only conclusion is, I need Jesus. Why? I'm a sinner. Why? God said, all have sinned, which includes me. And here's Mary standing there, looking up at her son. And yes, it had been predicted, prophesied, that the sword would even pierce her. but still the unexpected. Still the unexpected. Still the unexpected. Even though prophesied and told, and I understand that he came into this world for this reason, it's still, as a mother or a father, unacceptable, unexpected. But God knew the type of women Elizabeth and Mary were within. And God knows what kind of people each and every one of us are from within. He knows. And in verse 26, 1926. When Jesus saw his mother, what do you think his feelings or his reactions may have been? This is someone who he has been with for 33 years. I understand we very quickly run to the other side of the coin here. And we simply say, oh, he was God. He was divine. And yet, Scripture tells us he was 100% man. That he thirsted, he hungered, he slept, he sweat. 
He did everything we did as human beings. And now he's on the cross dying for us. Dying, yes, for his mother's sins. But yet seeing his mother there. So she saw his mother. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, that, I think, describes John. Standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. You and I would never really capture all that are in those statements. But they should cause us to ponder. They should cause us to think. Elizabeth and Mary and Joseph should cause us to think. Because the Christmas story, yes, the central figure is Jesus Christ. But what really makes it real is the other real people surrounding the story. That is not just a myth, not just a legend, but these were real people involved in God's plan, in God's work. People used by God to assist in the birth and the life of the one who would be our Savior. And what moves the life of Jesus from being a myth into the reality are the other people who are involved in his life. The other people who are involved in his in his life even helps his character become more alive that we can see it that we can see it that we can see it so during this christmas season don't don't see jesus as a baby in the manger that's past But see him as Lord of lords and King of kings. See him sitting at the right hand of his father. And understand, this is not a fairy tale. This is real life. It was real life for Mary. It was real life for Elizabeth. It was real life for Joseph. So they couldn't really understand it all. No more than I can understand or you can understand it. How God is using us in his worldly scheme, in his worldly plan, and what he's working out. We may not fully understand it, but what we can understand is this. All things are possible with God and God is working in our lives. That part we can understand. And just think, what would Gus Brown be if Roscoe was not in my life? What would Gus Brown be if Melvin was not in my life? What would Gus Brown be if Walter was not in my life? What would Gus Brown be if my son-in-law was not in my life? What would I be if Brother Beecher was not in my life? Ask yourself, what might you be if other people were not in your life? For it's other people that validates, hear me now, your real existence. Father, 
we thank you and praise you, O God, that we can truly see Mary, Elizabeth, Joseph, and many others in your word really do validate the reality of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They sacrificed, they served, they gave of their life that he would be seen as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. That he would be seen as the Savior of all men who will come unto him. That he would be the one who would give eternal life and no one else. There's not another who has a story like Jesus. There's not another that is explained in the way in which Jesus is explained to us. And that we can believe it and hold on to it from this life to the next, that Jesus is God, incarnate in the flesh. Help us, Lord, to see it. Help us to be willing to be servants. Help us to be willing to be a part of your overall plan in bringing salvation to humanity. And we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.